1: The Nail in the Coffin!
2: Welcome to The Nail in the Coffin. I'm Tom Valentino. He is Travis Yulee. Trav, what's up, buddy? How are you?
0: Uh, I'm Travis Healy. Uh, not much up, buddy. Doing good. How about you?
2: I'm all right. I, uh, I yeah. don't think I spent as much time in the car today as you did by the sounds of things, but uh, I'm holding up. How is, I would pity uh, be- you if you did. <laughs> How was beautiful Terre Haute, Indiana today?
0: Oh, it's as beautiful as it sounds. I tell you yeah. what.
2: Uh, your bad, check is in the know? mail from the, the Chamber of Commerce over there. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the most ringing endorsement they could get.
2: <laughs> beautiful. Well hey listen uh I think uh tonight uh, it's a good time to uh turn back the clock about uh three decades to be specific this weekend marks the 30th anniversary of the release of Major League and uh Trav with this coming out in 1989 I'm gonna assume you did not see this in the theater correct?
0: I did not that is a safe assumption um I don't know. I haven't seen it since then in the theater. I don't It feels like one of those movies they might like re-release every once in a while, you know, like around baseball season in Cleveland. But no, I have never seen it in a theater.
2: I have not either, although I almost did on its original run. I was a little fuzzy on the details of this. but I I called my dad yesterday trying to help fill in some of the blanks. But uh, in the spring of 89, a bunch of dads in our neighborhood where i grew up uh took their sons out uh, for a movie uh you know l- let's go to the movies and most of the kids wanted to go see uh major league i however talked my dad into taking me to go see no holds barred starring hulk hogan <laughs>
0: uh- <laughs> okay continue <laughs>
2: Uh, in my dad's defense, uh, you know, Major League was rated R, and I was seven years old at the time. So you're not taking your seven-year-old kid to see an R-rated movie. was a completely defensible position. And when I reminded him of that, he goes, without missing a beat, yeah, that wouldn't have stopped me. So um, there it is. Yeah, we went and saw Hulk Hogan and No Holds Barred taking on the mighty Zeus, and uh, it was a few years before I ended up seeing – major league uh this film uh the budget for it i looked this up was 11 million dollars and it grossed uh just a hair under 50 million uh safe to say no holds barred uh, did not do quite that well at the box office even doing business with me and my dad in the famous um, words
0: of uh jim ross i believe he said no holds barred more like no profit allowed
2: <laughs> Ayo. that's right um so yeah, where, where do you want to start with with talking about Major League? Because there's just so much ground that we could cover in this movie. Um, um
0: I, I don't have a I don't have any personal stories. Um, yours obviously <laughs> interesting personal story without actually involving Major League in any way. Um, I, uh, I guess what since I know so what, do you remember the first time you actually saw it? and did it like did it really like it? me neither and it's weird because it feels like a movie that as cleveland fans and because it's it's aged so well should um should be i think more memorable now it's a great movie and obviously we've seen it you know hundreds of times or whatever it is and we know all the lines and all that stuff but i don't know somehow i don't think it gets the sort of like cult status in cleveland that it should have am i I off on that that? am i off on that maybe maybe I, I, i i would hope so but
2: i think in cleveland it does i i would be curious to know how that movie is perceived outside of cleveland i think we identify with it as indians fans because at the time that was made i mean the the director david s ward he even said in interviews the reason he made that movie was because he felt like that was the only way he was ever going to see the Indians win anything, and it was extremely relatable at where the the real franchise was at the time. And you know, little did anybody know in the late '80s how you know how much the Indians would turn things around by the mid '90s when they you know moved up uh, up the street to the new park and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think that within Cleveland. I think absolutely it's got a a, a strong legacy and a, a great following, and um, yeah. The uh, uh
0: how how do you think? I guess then that's a, a better question. How do you think it's viewed outside of Cleveland and sort of the the pantheon of? I think sports movies have to be put into two very different like buckets. You need to have the comedies and like the dramas because people will always throw you know like. Rocky won Best Picture and stuff like that. So I feel like you have to separate them. They're almost two very different genres on their own. How do you think it, like, compares to general sports comedies?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, because I'm glad you threw in the distinction of comedies, because, you know, I think with just like any other type of, you know, movie subgenre, if you start trying to compare dramas and comedies, I feel like it's next to impossible. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Right. Um, Exactly. But, I mean, as far as sports comedies go, it's right up there with Caddyshack for me as as one of my favorites ever. So Yeah, I'll- I mean I
0: agree. I do wonder if I do wonder if people enjoy it as much as we do in Cleveland. I think when you look at a movie like Caddyshack or you know, Happy Gilmore's hilarious, Slapshot, like obviously hilarious. A lot of those ones, I think because they're like purely based in fiction they kind of appeal to everyone while this being about cleveland i don't know that it necessarily makes people not as interested or or you know not like it as much but i do wonder if maybe cleveland loves it more than they should and maybe other people just don't really relate to it quite as much does that make sense
2: yeah but okay i was gonna save this for the end, but since we're having this part of the discussion now, oh, I I'll go ahead. And, on that. Uh, no, it's all right. I, I will I will ask you this. There is as we were starting to talk before we started recording, there's an alternate ending or a scene. There were two scenes that were actually cut out of the movie um that that I know of. And I think in both cases, uh deleting those and, and get rid of them from the final version of the movie was absolutely the right call. Um, the one of them was going to be a, a wedding scene between uh, Jake Taylor and, and uh, Renee Russo's character. And I just, I have no clue how they would have, that had, that would have had to have run like during the credits or something. Cause I don't know how you end that movie on any other uh, note. Right. Other than how do you the actually celebrate? Really right. Uh, but the yeah, other that would have been weird. That It would have been weird. And, and as far as I know, there's no footage of that anywhere. That, that's not floating around on YouTube. The other one, that is on YouTube and I'll link to it in the show notes. And it's the one you know about is the scene where the owner, Rachel Phelps basically invented Moneyball, And it's revealed that the whole thing about making the team terrible on purpose was by design. And she actually believed in these players all along. And Lou Brown was the, the right manager to guide these guys. And she was basically acting like a, you know, the worst person in the world. Uh, just to try to give them all something to rally around. Um, I would, if if, had that scene actually been included, does this movie get remembered as well as it does?
0: It's easy to look at it now after, you know, having watched it so many times and connecting with it the way that we have already and say that would completely ruin the movie. But I also, I think that's probably, I, I don't know. Yes. I think that's a worse version. I don't know that in the grand scheme, though, it would have taken away from the rest of the movie, really. See, I um, think it
2: absolutely would have. I, it's, it's, so... easy to, it's
0: easy to say that looking at it, but I have a feeling if it was in there the whole time, you'd still love the movie. If you enjoyed it up to that point, you'd still enjoy it.
2: I think, like, you'd still have all the funny lines, and I'm sure we'll run through a bunch of them as we go along here, but I don't think the story itself in in the film holds up nearly as well. I think that would have, because if you watch that scene, her tone and everything is so out of kilter with everything else. It is so disjointed and, you know, watching it now, I mean, obviously it's, it's a different perspective having seen, you know, what actually ended up uh, being the final cut, but it's just, it's so out of place. I don't know how that ever would have, uh, played well and it's not a surprise to me at all that their uh test audiences and the screenings that they had before the movie was released uh they crapped all over it and kind of forced them to reshoot the ending and change their change gears there
0: yeah i think they i think they definitely made the right decision i think that's kind of easy to say because she was such a hateable character that it kind of i don't know why would you want to ruin that
1: like exactly. I'm, a, I'm a
0: big i'm a big fan of like terrible characters um, I think they add just as much to, to movies as the really likable ones. So I think having those two sides going against each other definitely, you know, wraps the whole thing up pretty well. Um, she
2: was the villain of the story. I mean, y yes you, you yeah, have oh, the Yankees as no the team question. that were, you know, beating the Indians for the whole movie. They were movie kind of in the, the way, end.
0: but right. No, I'm with you. I think it's definitely the better version. I'm glad that they listened to the to the test audiences back then because you watch it now. If you watch that scene and it is on, I think it's on the version I have on DVD. Actually, Um, you watch it and you're just like, "Oh, what is this? Like, this is awful." It's I don't know. I'm I'm never really good at saying what would I think if this thing was completely different. Um, I never really trust my judgment. In my head, I say, "Yeah, that would really ruin the movie for me," but.
2: Eh, maybe not i don't know you know who's not awful bob euchre is harry doyle oh he's unstoppable <laughs> he is unstoppable
0: like and like i don't know i know that a vast majority of his lines were pretty much just made up on the spot like they got him there and they're just like just go for it and literally all of them are perfect
2: yeah, the, the director, I was, I was reading up on this before we uh, jumped on here. The director had asked him to play this role based on his work in the Miller Lite commercials of the 80s and uh, his role on Mr. Belvedere. And according to IMDB, and I didn't find this anywhere else, so I'm a little skeptical, uh, this director didn't even know that Euchre had been doing play-by-play for the Brewers for 20 years at this point, and he just liked him <laughs> from his acting work. He and- just liked what he had seen out of them? Right. So anyway, whether that part of the story is true or not, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, most of his lines in that movie were improv and they would and what was also it was really interesting. They shot this in Milwaukee for the most part. And, you know, he was working for the Brewers. I think he still works for the Brewers as a radio play by play guy. But they they basically shot it over six weeks uh, in Milwaukee after Brewers games. They'd clear out the stadium, bring the film crew in, start shooting the baseball scenes. When Euchre was recording his lines, there was no action going on in the field, and he was only given very rough uh, parameters. Like a, on like, oh, pretend right. this just happened. Exactly. Go. <laughs> that was that's <laughs> like literally exactly what it was. Where they would tell him, "All right, so Charlie Sheen's character here is struggling to throw strikes. Uh, team's been, you know, it, you know, scores this, blah blah blah." go with it. And he just started telling stories from when he was actually playing and things that he's heard guys say in the clubhouse and in the dugouts. And like the more he did with it, there was like one scene where I think he like dabbed some like Jack Daniels behind his ears or something. That was another one that was like totally, uh, him on his own, not written into the script. And they basically just gave him free run to do what he wanted. And, um, just phenomenal.
0: I I feel like there's gotta be, for all, for as many good lines as he has in the movie, there's got to be 50 more that made it to the cutting room floor that are just as good. Oh yeah! Like that would be the thing, in my opinion, that would be the thing to put on a DVD. Like all of this random shit, just stream of consciousness from Bob Uecker for a yes. half hour.
2: Do you have any favorite lines? With-
0: um, I don't I don't remember the exact one, um, but he says something about. I think Serrano, like, administering CPR. It's this <laughs> long thing. I mean, there's obviously, there's just a bit outside and all those, you know, the ones that everyone knows. But there's one, and I wish I could remember exactly what it is. But he says something about, like, administering, uh, I think, doubling off of a bird and then... I think Monty, the color guy, is like, well, at least the bird survived. <laughs> and Euchre's like, to hell with it. It's just a flying rat or something like that. I wish I could remember the exact thing, but it's one of those ones that I hear it. it it's so like subtle. It's not as it's not as quotable because it's kind of long. But as you listen to it, you're like, what the hell is going on here? And you I can just that- picture him going through it in his head.
2: The scene when Serrano hits the bird, that's the sequel, right? Maybe yeah i don't I'm, know maybe maybe i'm pretty sure yeah but yeah uh, i will say that as, as awful as major league two was bob uecker almost still great league, he 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 was it was still <laughs> great man still at his. was gonna need a rocket up his ass to catch that one yeah that's uh uh no i i loved uh some of his lines describing the uh the yankees he was talking about the the closer that comes in the duke uh he was overpowering down the stretch. Uh, this guy uh, once threw in his own kid in a father-son game. Um, and then uh, <laughs> Pete Vukovic was, uh, the, uh, was playing Clue Haywood. And the irony of that was he was this big power hitter in the movie. And his actual playing career in Major League Baseball, he never hit a home run once. He was a, a pitcher, and he only spent like three years in the American League. But, uh, yeah, this guy leads the league in every offensive category, including nose hair. When he sneezes, his face looks like a party favor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're all fantastic. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the one that that is pretty much quotable every year uh, for the last few years, which is uh, in case you haven't noticed and judging by the attendance you haven't, um, which is probably a little – and I will honestly say that just a bit outside – Is so like overused at this point that I don't know that I can enjoy it as much as I should be able to.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that was another ad lib by the way. That, um, of course, they
0: all were, they just let them go. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, they're all good. Um, and, and here's the thing for me like, play by play announcers in sports movies are usually one of my biggest pet peeves because more often than not, I feel like they're a weak storytelling crutch. And the absolute worst is when you get someone doing play-by-play over the loudspeaker in the stadium, which is like a contrivance that never happens in real life. Drives me up a wall. So to have like a play-by-play announcer in this movie, not only not be annoying, but actively be one of the absolute best parts of the movie. Phenomenal work by Euchre.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know that there's anyone in the movie that's totally like irreplaceable that you couldn't plug someone else in and it still be pretty good with the exception of Bob Euchre. Like he, he makes that movie. I think in my opinion, um, he's, he's his lines, I think are funnier than everybody else combined. Probably like he has more good moments in it. And all he's doing is sitting there and just like spouting off random shit. Right. So no, I'm with you. I think, and, and he's entire He's, all of them are like so quotable that you can remember a lot of them and throw them out randomly when you're at a bar watching an Indians game and everyone around is going to chuckle, even if it's not that funny. They just remember it in the movie.
2: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the players. It was an interesting cast of guys. One of the things that I thought was notable about this is the director said that they made a special effort to try to cast people who could actually play baseball because they felt like if they had guys out there who weren't actually familiar with playing baseball and tried to go out and do things, they would injure themselves and set back production. And this was an independent film. So it, it, uh, um, they, they were kind of on a shoestring budget to begin with and couldn't really afford that sort of thing. Um, Tom Berenger and Corbin Birdson played in high school. Chelsea Ross, who was the pitcher, uh, Harris, He played in college. Charlie Sheen had a scholarship offer from Kansas, and Bob Uecker said that Sheen was actually good enough that he probably could have played pro ball if he had gone into that instead, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah.
0: That is interesting.
2: Yeah. uh, Sheen, he actually uh, could throw an an 85-mile-an-hour fastball, and uh, they moved up the mound 10 feet closer to the plate to make it look like it was coming in at 100 miles an hour, and they always shot – his pitches from like behind the catcher and behind the backstop to kind of cover up how much closer he was. But uh, between that and the other thing, I guess he admitted to a sports illustrated in an interview a few years ago that he did steroids for two months leading up to the filming of that movie to try to improve his performance
1: as no well. Shit.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I will say that's usually one of my like biggest pet peeves in sports movies when the athlete looks like someone who has no, business playing the sport that they're playing um i think it's usually the most obvious in basketball um and golf obviously is always ridiculous but um it's funny because i don't i guess i never really thought about it and maybe that's sort of the testament that they look like guys that knew how to play is it never like stood out to me that yeah they look like that looks like a guy that i never really thought that's that looks like a guy that could play pro like sheen but I also never really thought, like, yeah, this guy's clearly never played baseball before.
2: Well, I'll tell you the one guy who was apparently not that great. And this kind of surprised me just because of how many different sports movies he's been in was uh, Wesley Snipes. Um, yeah, he was in
0: another. What was uh, <laughs> The Fan? Was the that fan. the terrible one? He was, with, uh, he was a baseball
2: player. Exactly. He was a baseball player in The Fan. And um, if you notice in Major League, they only show him running in slow motion because he wasn't actually that fast, and they had to conceal that. <laughs> and the other thing, he was—he also apparently couldn't throw very well, that you'd never see him actually throw the ball at any point in the movie, which is one of those things funny. you never think about in the moment. But yeah, you go back and watch now, it's like, wait, you never actually see him throw the ball. So yeah. They, I uh, love they when had- you
0: see like tidbits like that, and then the next time you watch the movie, you're like, no, there's no way that's true. He must have thrown it one time.
2: Right yeah but apparently not um this was interesting to me did you know that charlie sheen and wesley snipes almost teamed up in another sports movie
0: is it a sports movie that ended up starring other people yes okay um Ooh, i'm trying to think i have no idea what is it
2: charlie sheen Turn down the role that would eventually go to Woody Harrelson in White Man Kingdom. Really? Joke. No kidding. Yes. Huh. huh.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad for that too. That's one that's another one of my favorites. I love that movie.
2: Yeah. So
0: No kidding. Yeah. You know, I, Snipes was a little more, you know, I guess he was a little more athletic in that then I guess. Because he, he looked like a guy that could probably play some basketball. More so than baseball, apparently, but <laughs>
2: That doesn't sound like a very high bar to clear, based on no. It's research, not
0: exactly. But... It's not exactly a ringing endorsement. That's the. That's the uh, terra for you. <laughs> Taking it full circle.
2: That's right. Um, yeah, I was. What was I going to say about that? Um, shit, just completely lost my train of thought. Um,
0: that's all right. It does remind me though, and I always like. I never really think of it this way because he's such like a fourth level character, but um, do you follow Monty the color man on twitter? I do not it's it's I don't know it's fine account, whatever I don't know it's i followed it at some point. he tweets every once in a while, but every time I see it, like I can never remind myself that, oh yeah, that's that guy that was not a real person and is <laughs> literally like was terrible as a color man and that's kind of the running (laughs) joke but
2: well he's not uh, the best color man in the business for nothing folks
0: (laughs) monty you got anything to add uh no (laughs) not the best color man in the business for nothing
2: you can't say goddamn out of the air ah nobody's listening anyway
0: (laughs) Uh, I that reminds me that's an impressive performance because if you were sitting next to him you'd be laughing the entire time
2: oh yeah yeah, that's you, you I don't know how you don't break during when when, when Euchre's going out on on those uh, tangents of his, but uh you know the speaking of you can't say goddamn in there. There were a lot of things in major league that you can't say on basic cable and yet this movie has become one of the go-to staples of, you know, weekend programming on Comedy Central and uh, other cable stations. Uh, but they always have to dub out the lines. I think my favorite one has to uh, the be with uh, Dorn on the mound with uh, with Rick Vaughn at the end.
1: Let's cut through the Vaughn.
2: I only got one thing to say
1: to you: strike this guy out.
0: That's pretty. I'll be honest. Sometimes, if they do it really badly it's a lot better than if they try to do it well
2: that's i think what like adds a layer of charm to watching it is you can clearly see that there's something else being said there and they're not even trying to be remotely subtle about you can still read his in. lips and you know yes. exactly what he says oh but yeah 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 that's, that's pretty
0: good i haven't i'll be honest i haven't seen it on comedy central at least not memorably um I don't own not run DVD stuff. I do. I actually. This is the first year I was not able to watch it on opening day. I always watch it on the morning of opening day, um, every year. And I've probably should. I've probably done it for ten, ten, twelve years now. I can't remember last time I didn't do it. But um, this year I was tied up and unable, so that was kind of a bummer.
2: Great tradition you have there, though. It is. Yeah. It is a You're great. You're probably tradition, not which alone. Also,
0: also brings me to a point we haven't touched on yet. um, how great is um burn on the opening song randy newman <laughs> fantastic fantastic song
2: It's a great pick it fits the moment perfectly well um yeah, it, yeah it's it, like
0: it's it's such a gr- it, and it's so like it's not like getting you pumped up or anything like you always hear in sports movies right it's not like over the top or like corny or anything it's just it's like perfect Cleveland and with like the backdrop and everything going on. Oh, it's fantastic.
2: That was perfect Cleveland. And the American Express commercial that they film midway through the movie is perfect 80s because oh, I- yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't steal home without it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Like, I feel like we could just every little thing if we were to watch it, it's a great movie that you can sit down and watch with other people. And if those people, appreciate it the way that you do they don't really care if you're like talking and quoting at the whole time right like right. you watch sometimes you watch a movie sometimes with people and they're like shut up just watch the movie i no, feel that, like that's a watch, movie meant for a sing along. Yep, yep exactly 100 percent. i feel like a vast majority probably of our listeners could take part in that
2: easily all right so there's one every movie has got certain little goofs and errors and and things that you either don't notice or you might notice and you just overlook and don't care about. And there's a few in this one, but there's one in particular that to this day drives me nuts. And I'm wondering if it's something that you've noticed or if you have any opinion on. Okay. The game winning play at the very end. So Taylor comes up to the plate signals down to the third base coach goes through some signals. The third-base coach goes to Lou Brown in the dugout. Or no, he Taylor signals to Lou Brown. Lou Brown signals to the third-base coach. Get, he gives the sign to Willie Mays Hayes. And then Taylor digs into the box, calls his shot, gets the brushback pitch, digs back in, calls his shot again, and then he squares around a bunt. Hayes is stealing third. So he's on the move as the pitcher's, you know, going from the stretch. Hayes, or, uh, Taylor gets the bunt down. Hayes comes around. He scores. They win. Why was Willie Bays Hayes not running on the brushback pitch?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. I don't have a good answer for you. I mean, right, me nuts, there's no way you
2: have a signal <laughs> saying like you're going to you're, you're not doing any of this on this one because he's going to throw it at Taylor here. So, you know, wait till the second pitch and then go. And yeah, the bunt, by the way, is also awful, but he's a catcher. Oh, it's so horrible. I'm willing it's to, horrible. I, that's one it's of those so things bad. I'm going to overlook because yeah. he's a he's a catcher and clearly he's not somebody who's trying to bunt for hits very often because his knees are shot he can't run so I that might have been bad by design but um yeah the uh Willie Mays Hayes not stealing on on the brushback pitch is one of those things that uh I cringe every time
0: yeah it's funny because like usually honestly sports movies are packed full of those and they stand out a lot yes so I don't know if you caught that first watch or if that was no. something that after watching it several times, you're like, wait a minute,
2: right? this no, doesn't it, add up. It's exactly what that was. And, and the reason it jumps out to me so much was because I felt like this was a movie. I mean, it was played for comedy, but I actually felt like for the most part, the baseball scenes were shot really well. And I felt like the action looked really good. Better than most sports movies that I've probably seen, especially on the comedy side.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know why that always happens, because honestly, I feel like with most sports movies, if you sat down with one person who's even like, you know, a decent fan of that sport, they could watch it and be like, yeah, this isn't right. This wouldn't happen.
2: They had some guys that were on the production staff, and I think the third base coach was actually a former player as well. So they were kind of technical advisors to kind of prevent stuff like that from happening, which was probably super helpful. And then, you know, you also had like uh, a, a few of the players that were in, you know, like those two guys on the Yankees, the pitcher and the first baseman, those guys were actually real major leaguers. Yeah. Um, so that that probably helped as well. But uh, one other thing that I only learned today, and there was like almost no information out there about this. Did you know there was a video game based on this movie
0: no
1: on what platform
2: well the nintendo but it was never even released in the united states
0: is it just called major league
2: yes it was released in japan for whatever the japanese equivalent of the nintendo was the famicom or whatever right and uh yeah it's like if you've ever played the LJN game, Major League Baseball, it the the gameplay looks, I think, pretty similar to that from the screenshots that I saw. I think the A V Club had the article that I was reading. Um, but uh like the there's like a an opening screen and a couple of uh, you know, like the menus have caricatures of some of the characters in the movie. And other than that, it is like a super straight laced plain old baseball sim like any other baseball game from the 80s on the nintendo which feels like a colossal waste of a uh, of a license like that but yeah it, that did exist and the other thing that was so bizarre was the fact that it was only released in japan i no kidding. i have no, i have like, to yeah, task
0: my brother with finding it my brother put together one of those like those raspberry pi things with like every game you've ever heard of in your life um, oh, I'm, I'm familiar <laughs> yeah and i i bet he could probably track that down i'll have to go see if that's possible um i have let to throw it he in here because i was i will i will let you for sure um he, he's got a weird knack for finding these things like that so i think he might be able to get it um i will say i was just looking through like some trivia for the movie and found a ridiculous fact um at one point in the movie, when Haywood uh, says to Jake Taylor, "How's your wife and my kids?" Yes. Apparently, this is a reference to two Yankee teammates who actually traded families in 1973. Yep. <laughs> How I is didn't... that possible? <laughs> that's not even that's not even really a major league thing, but that is a story that I am look gonna look a lot into when we get off air. Of that yeah, is the most that... bizarre thing I've ever heard.
2: I never made that connection. I, I, I uh, thought he was just messing with them. But yeah, I, I was familiar with that story with the two Yankees players from the seventies. Seventies were a weird time, I think. But, uh... <laughs>
0: you think? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I imagine two guys just sitting around playing
0: ball together. Hey, man, you want to swap wives? Yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Ridiculous, man. Oh, um, very bizarre
2: but yeah that and and the 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 whole plot of the owner trying to basically tank the team enough to get out of their lease so they could move to another city that that was real too the uh, a previous owner of the Minnesota twins tried to do that in the early eighties, i think like the late seventies early eighties, and then Carl Poland, who's was like a a big time banker in minneapolis ended up buying the team and saving them and keeping them in minnesota and then they moved into the metrodome but yeah that was like that was a real storyline too
0: yeah i mean it's kind of funny that she wanted to move the team to miami because she couldn't get people she well i guess because she didn't like cleveland but she couldn't draw attendance in cleveland and (laughs) in miami's attendances
2: hotbed of baseball (laughs) (laughs)
0: Cool, <laughs> like the Indians don't have great attendance, but like Miami's average attendance is like the April day game we had today in Cleveland <laughs> on like a Wednesday, right, so they're they obviously some, not
2: they just got some new uniforms and they changed the outfield wall to dark blue instead of uh uh bright green, so they're... yeah,
0: that'll do it. they're clamoring <laughs> at the gates now.
2: <laughs> the standing room only signs are going up early now Jeez,
0: folks. seriously
2: oh anything um, w- anything else on major league that we uh we haven't hit yet
0: i don't I, there's I, I will say one i mean another super quotable one that i use casually and i think i use it in the wrong crowd because i think a lot of people don't get it like i have a couple friends that i say it to i think around here they're like hey you want to go do something I am frequent, like I frequently respond, like oh, I don't know, I'll have to let you know. I got a guy in the other line about some white walls, (laughs) and I don't think my friends get it, but I throw it all out of the time. Um, My one friend who's also an Indians fan, he definitely knows what I'm talking about. Um, But it's such a ridiculous response that they pulled this guy from selling tires to be a manager. Like that's probably. I mean, you look at some of the guys; they're old, like garbage, right? Like Taylor can barely walk anymore, right? Um, But. No, I mean, there's some, there's so many lines like we can't go over all of them and just be the delivery a bit of that
2: line point. is is what makes it. Oh, it's, the it's like, Hey, Lou, it's you know so and so from the Cleveland, it's Charlie so and so from the Cleveland Indians. How would you like to manage the Indians this year?
0: Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. They they cast that movie so well, like they really did. I mean, there's a couple guys on it that I don't really know from like anything else. Um but they just played those roles perfectly.
2: Yeah, I was looking because you know when when I ended up finding out that thing about Charlie Sheen almost being in White Men Can't Jump, I I went into that looking to see if there was anybody who had passed on a chance to be in this movie, and if there were any like great casting what ifs. And I don't, right. if they're out there, I haven't found them yet. I I'd be very curious to know because like all the guys that they got, I like you said, perfect for for what they were you know looking to accomplish it was uh fantastic casting yeah
0: i will say it pains me a little bit that everybody like a vast majority of the population when they see um like the Allstate commercials they know serrano from what was he in 24 or something he yes. was the president in some show i don't know i didn't watch the show i just know he was a president of some show and everybody knows him as like the president from that show and not as serrano
2: I'll be honest, I watched 24 for just about every season, and I think he was on the first four, maybe five, and it was not until probably very late in season one of 24 that I even made the connection that that was the same guy. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. yeah, I mean, it, well, I mean, his, the, the two characters couldn't be any more different. I mean, yeah, Pedro but the Serrano voice is, is so like this eccentric though. ball player. And, you know, President David Palmer is super buttoned up and ultra serious. And he's got the, uh, the the he's clean shaven with the, you know, the haircut and the, you know, the whole nine yards rather than the bald head and the goatee. So, yeah, I, I didn't I I. Didn't, just one of those things, like, oh no shit, that's the same guy, but
0: Yeah, I guess he spoke with like the, the accent in Major League 2, so you wouldn't even necessarily connect the voice. Although he does have a very distinctive voice.
2: Yeah. Once you notice it, you notice it, but uh, Oh yeah, for sure. Dennis Haysburg, you're a, you're a gym. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, um No, I feel like that I feel like that we I feel like we touched on just about everything. It's such a it's such a great I, I don't know, I, I I'm really glad that of all the movies, we not only have draft day to define Cleveland, but if draft day doesn't do it for you, you can settle for major league. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it's the second time I use that joke on this podcast. I'm going to use it every time from now on still works. <laughs> that's, that's my joke from now on draft day is actually the best Cleveland sports movie. Huh.
2: No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, 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 it isn't. No, no. But you could imagine it would be like if it was, right? No,
2: no you couldn't.
0: No, 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 you couldn't.
2: <laughs> no yelling on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: but no this You're is good. a good idea i I could probably sit and talk about this movie for a lot longer we'd end up saying the same things over and over but we'd still enjoy it
2: well you know what i think all of cleveland has been doing that for the past 30 years so if we took no about 30 30 minutes to do it uh it was time well spent and i have is no there regrets.
0: here's a question yes is there is there another sports movie or not even necessarily a sports movie but another movie that's like completely tied specifically to a city that is like in the same league i'm not going to allow rocky because i think philadelphia is too proud of rocky in my opinion (laughs) um like the home of benjamin franklin and they're more proud of a a fake boxer than they are of benjamin franklin so i i hold that as a negative against them
2: i was gonna say it is kind of bizarre when you consider how many great athletes have played in philadelphia that the that a movie character has a statue but
0: and like amazing americans right and, you ask, and they're the most proud of rocky <laughs> it it makes no sense whatsoever
2: all right so uh, you're you're asking a movie that basically captures the essence of the city as well as major league Dark i think wood, right? Ma- i think
0: major league is a great movie to have associated with my favorite city right is there anyone that you watch and you're like oh that's pretty damn good too i'd be pretty proud of that one if I was into whatever city it is,
2: mm. um, I've drawn
0: blanks. Like the only ones I can really think of are like more like kids movies, like Rookie of the Year. It was the was he the Mets or the, he was the Cubs, right? Cubs. He yeah. was the Cubs. Um, a movie I actually loved as a kid and still really enjoy is Little Big League. Um, that's a twins one. It's very much a kids movie, so not really in the same vein. It hasn't held up as well. Yeah, um, but like
2: I would say both of those. I mean, Rookie of the Year and. Well, I guess Rookie of the Year they kind of tie in the Cubs World Series drought. But like, you know, I don't even think I've seen Little Big League, but did that like really play off of Minnesota and the Twins or was it just that was the team that happened to get the, you know, <laughs> get their uniforms or whatever? No, it I mean it
0: did quite a bit. It didn't really include a whole lot of like reference to the city because it was more of a kids movie and kids wouldn't have gotten it, but um I know one that you, I think you really enjoy it. I don't really care for it, but I know that Hoosiers. Indiana as a state loves Hoosiers. exactly. That's right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, it doesn't really do it for me. I also feel like I would want it to, I'd, I'd prefer a comedy because I feel like those age a little bit better. Because um, contrary to popular belief, like it is possible for old movies to still be really good and i think major league particularly when they don't really include anything like technology based right it's not like you see a guy holding like a gigantic cell phone i think probably in the movie or someone has like a car phone or something like that but that's pretty much it those types of things are what i think like age movies the worst when you see people using stuff like computers or something and it's like this just looks ridiculous um because it's baseball and baseball is basically still the same game
2: Yes, I that was that's exactly what I was about to say is I think baseball is one of those games that has aged more gracefully than the others like a baseball game. I feel like if you dropped a player from the 1950s into a 2019 Major League baseball game, he would have a better shot of hanging it on than right. a basketball player from the 50s being dropped into the modern NBA. Oh, for sure. For or, sure. Or the NFL with a football player from from then
0: Yep, I agree completely. I think it, I think that's part of why it's aged really well because the game's basically played the same. There's been a few like rules tweaks and whatnot, but generally, if you were good at you know if you were good back then, you'd probably still be pretty decent now. They might not, you know, they're, they're probably throwing the ball a couple miles an hour faster and hitting the ball a little bit further, but in general, the game's the same, right? So I think Ricky
2: the Wild Thing Vaughn would probably be able to get LASIK now, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's one that always side note and this is completely off the rails here why did harry potter never get surgery
2: <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy <laughs>
0: I, every time like i i love harry potter and this is way off way off what we were talking about yes but he's is. in a he's in a world where they can literally fix anything at one point in one of the movies his arm disappears and they recreate it. But for seven years, he's got to wear these goofy glasses for everything. Makes no sense. Sorry. That's,
2: that's, I was going to say, I've got stories about Harry Doyle. I don't know about oh, Harry totally, Potter.
0: Totally, totally, unrelated. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. That might be our cue. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that, maybe that's it. But in general, uh, you think major league is aged pretty well, right? Holds up yes, I do. relatively yeah. well.
2: I, I had a good laugh at the American express commercial, but uh, you know, for the most part, Uh, yeah i I think it's pretty good
0: yeah i mean i feel like they could have recreated that commercial with like actual indians and it would have aged pretty well yes i don't know if they i don't have they done that it it strikes me something they may have even thought of at some
2: point pretty much every single other aspect of that movie has been lampooned at one point or another so i'm sure somebody has reenacted that commercial somewhere especially in the
0: like the 90s when they literally did come from like garbage to like the world series in like two years right That's um, right and that yeah that team had some great personalities too so i could see that working um it's kind of weird how i guess now that i think about it how similar like that movie is to actual indians history right they they just turned a sort of a ragtag bunch of guys into a pretty decent team um if they could, you know, turn Luplo and, uh, I don't know, Serrano or something, all of a sudden, that wouldn't be so bad.
2: I think the 2016 team, didn't they have like a Jobu Shrine built in the clubhouse?
0: Yeah, yeah they did, actually. I forgot yeah. about that. Um, I can't remember who had it. I think it might have been Kipnis or Santana. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. I yeah, they definitely Napoli did those, was involved, but I, I might uh, That might have been who it was. That might have been who it was. Hmm. Yeah, that's... That's good. It's good though that people, like I don't know. It's a good thing I think it's it's fun to have that thing be like Cleveland's thing. Yes. And I don't know that there's one that I think is quite as good. That was I was I was expecting you to have one and be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a good call." But No. I'll take Major League for sure. Everyone else can fuck off. <laughs>
2: all right good night everybody that's
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it's where i stand on things i know i don't apologize for it
2: i don't know what the the comedy central version of that would be but we'll have to give it some thought we
0: have yeah we have the little explicit thing next to it we do i'm allowed we're, to say it
2: we're covered we're I'm covered. grown up all right i i think that's probably a good place to stop what do you say
0: <laughs> all right sounds good
2: We are on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Stitcher, the TuneIn app and you can stream us on WaitingForNextYear.com We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Nail Podcast Give us a like on there and uh, for the the post for this episode if you've got any Major League uh, memories of your own that, you know, something that we didn't touch on uh, here in uh, the past 40 minutes or whatever, uh, drop them in the comments. I'd like to hear what everybody else remembers from that movie as well. And uh, if you're on Twitter, we're at uh, at The Nail Podcast. So that will do it for us for this week. Hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane with Major League. Uh, for Travis Uli, I am Tom Valentino. It's been The Nail in the Coffin and we'll talk to you again soon. The Indians win it! The
1: Indians win it! Oh my God.